You're listening to Precinct 444, a podcast network from the National Law Enforcement Museum. Today we're bringing you an episode from the Encore series, where we revisit past museum programs and conversations. Here at Precinct 444, we cover a wide variety of topics in the field of law enforcement, from officer safety and wellness, science and technology, true crime, and many others, to give our listeners a taste of what it's like to work in the field of law enforcement. Law enforcement experts from across the country join us every month to provide insight into their lives and to educate our listeners. On this month's Encore series, we're taking a look back at a program that originally aired on November 4th, 2020, called Scientific Justice, Solving Crimes in the People's Lab, featuring three panelists who work at the Department of Forensic Science in D.C. In this first part, Dr. Jennifer Smith, director of the D.C. DFS, details the importance of the DFS that work specifically in the metropolitan D.C. area, followed by brief introductions by Wayne Arenzi, Forensic Science Laboratory Director, and Christopher Logicono, Crime Scene Sciences Director. And now, revisiting scientific justice, solving crimes in the people's lab. Forensic science plays an integral role in the work of law enforcement throughout the country. The field of forensic science is always evolving with new technologies and scientific methodologies being created to analyze evidence and put together the complicated pieces of an investigation. Evidence is analyzed by trained scientists who work collaboratively with law enforcement agencies to bring justice to the millions of victims of crime and their families each year. In Washington, D.C., there are upwards of 27 separate law enforcement agencies with overlapping jurisdictions and evidence that needs to be analyzed. The D.C. Department of Forensic Sciences is the largest publicly funded lab in the United States and serves each of these agencies with their work. Before we get started with the program, I have a few housekeeping items for you. Uh, To all the attendees, you're all muted. If you would like to ask a question, please submit your question through the Q&A tab. Please note that everyone in the webinar will be able to see your question. You can upvote questions submitted by other attendees. Our staff working behind the scenes will prioritize answering the questions that receive the most votes. A link to the recording of this webinar will be sent to everyone in two days and will also be available on our museum's YouTube channel. We are also committed to providing greater accessibility to our programs and we are providing closed captioning for you today. Panelists, please remember to keep yourselves on mute when you are not speaking. So without any further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Jennifer Smith, the Director of the Department of Forensic Sciences. Dr. Smith is a retired FBI special agent, having served for 23 years. At the FBI, Dr. Smith oversaw DNA analysis and testified in hundreds of cases. As a member of the U.S. Department Senior Executive Service, her final assignment with the FBI was Chief of the Weapons of Mass Destruction Intelligence Analysis Section. 
Dr. Smith also led the CIA's Biological Technology Center and has served on several federal advisory groups that support national security entities concerned with microbial forensics. Throughout her tenure, Dr. Smith has guided the district's public health laboratory during the testing of COVID-19 and guided the crime scene sciences and forensic science laboratory divisions to ensure evidence submitted to the lab undergoes the highest quality of testing and analysis. So Dr. Smith, welcome. I will turn the program over to you. Thank you so much, Marsha. And thank you so much to the uh, National Law Enforcement Memorial Museum uh, for inviting us to participate today in our virtual tour of the Department of Forensic Sciences. So first of all, let me welcome you to the Consolidated Forensic Laboratory Building. This is actually where we are housed. Our department is here, as well as our sister agency, which is the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. It's a 351,000 square foot building that has amazing laboratory spaces. And if we were under more normal times, we'd be able to actually invite you in for a real tour. But today we're going to do it virtually and we have a lot of activities lined up for you. I also wanna point out that this is a special room to us. This is a room that we call our Karen Wiggins room because it honors our recently retired Ms. Wiggins, who was deputy director of the Department of Forensic Sciences. She is a native Washingtonian. She spent over 40 years dedicated to forensic science. And we honor her because she was the first female African-American firearms examiner here in the district. She was trained by the FBI and she spent all of her life working for the citizens of the district. And she represents what is one of kind of our thoughts here. We call ourselves the People's Lab because we actually work for the citizens of DC. Unlike many law enforcement crime labs, they work often for police departments or they may work for prosecutors offices, offices. But we actually work directly for the mayor. We work for the citizens of DC. We also work for all the visitors that come to DC. Maybe some of you have been here before. And we work for all the men and women who come here and work throughout the day and maybe live in the surrounding regions. I want to also mention that we are accredited. We deliver unbiased science, but it's important for people to come in and inspect us and ensure that the type of science we're delivering is the best quality and that our people are proficient at their task. So we are an accredited agency and we are accredited to deliver services that deal with firearms testing, latent fingerprint testing, DNA testing, digital evidence testing, as well as forensic chemistry. We're not gonna be able to talk about all of those disciplines today, but we are gonna to touch base on some of those. We have three divisions here within the Department of Forensic Sciences. We have our Crime Scene Sciences Division, and we're going to hear more about what they do today. We also have our Forensic Science Lab Division, and we'll take a deeper dive into those activities too. The third division that you may have heard something about is our Public Health Lab Division, and they are leading the effort here in DC to do COVID-19 testing. So they're all very, very busy. We're not gonna to spend too much time talking about them, but I don't wanna forget them because they're upstairs and they're all very important. 
that's the last thing I want to talk about. We are all actively working here in this laboratory. We have crime still going on in the city. We have evidence to collect. We have evidence to process. And despite the fact that many people are working from home during the health emergency that is before us, not the folks here at DFS. Our scientists are working on the streets of DC. The evidence is coming in here. They're coming in here and they're working in the laboratories as we speak. And so we're gonna find out a little bit more about those things because I have two special guests here with me. First of all, my I will turn to Chris Logicono. Chris Logicono is the Crime Scene Sciences Director. Now, Chris comes to us actually from a law enforcement background, as do all three of us. He his, in, his investigative experience was with the Metropolitan Police Department. Not only did he start out as an officer on the streets, but he rose through the ranks to become commander of the Metropolitan, a, a commander within the Metropolitan Police Department. So Chris also, while he was going through his career at MPD, he actually did take a stint to be in charge of what was then called the Forensic Science Division. Because prior to the Department of Forensic Sciences being formed, most of the forensic work was actually done by the Metropolitan Police Department within their Forensic Sciences Division. And at some point in time, Mr. Logicano was actually in charge of that division. And he brings that experience as well as his investigative experiences to the Department of Forensic Sciences. The other person that I have, I have joining me is Wayne Arenzi. He is the director of the other division, the Forensic Science Laboratory Division that joins me today. And just like Chris and just like myself, he comes through a law enforcement background. He actually also comes to us from South Africa. So if you notice a slight accent, a beautiful accent, <laughs> that's because that's where Wayne actually grew up. But he comes to us from there with a wealth of experience as a firearms examiner and also as an auditor. Remember, I talked a little bit about quality. He actually is specially trained to help conduct quality audits of other forensic laboratories. But now his main job is making sure that the Forensic Sciences Lab Division runs very smoothly. So I have a couple questions that I'm going to ask of these two folks. And I'm going to start with Chris. And I'll put my mask back on after I ask the question. So um, Mr. Logicono, can you tell the folks what happens in the Crime Scene Sciences Division? Well, thank you, Dr. Smith, for asking. Um, I have a slight accent also. It's called a native Washingtonian accent. Um, so anyhow, uh, so in the Crime Scene Sciences Division, we have two different units, the Crime Scene Sciences Unit and the Central Evidence Unit. So the Crime Scene Sciences Unit, they're the forensic scientists that go out and process the crime scenes in Washington, D.C. Um, we do not process all the crime scenes in Washington, D.C. There's just too many of them for us to get around to. So we split that duty with the Metropolitan Police Department. But we do the most serious crimes in the District of Columbia. So when our crime scene scientists go out, we're going to homicides, assault with intent to kill, carjackings, serious armed robberies, et cetera. And we're processing those scenes. Um, the scientists will monitor the radio just like the police department does. Uh, they'll get the assignment respond out to the location and they'll meet with the detective 
get um, the general information about what occurred on the scene, and then they'll evaluate the scene and start processing it for evidence. Um, they'll document the condition of the scene, where the evidence is located, and um, so collect the physical evidence and also process it if appropriate for latent fingerprints and DNA, any DNA uh, sampling that might be on the scene. Um, some of it will occur out on the street, the majority of it does, um, but in certain instances, we do have a garage here at DFS and we'll tow cars in, which allow us to uh, do a more thorough processing under um, conditions where we may have additional tools uh, that we can work on vehicles. Um, and then, of course, everything they collect then goes and is taken in at the central evidence unit, which is the hub for all the evidence coming into the Department of Forensic Sciences and the central evidence unit makes sure that all the evidence gets distributed to all the other units you're gonna hear about, such as latent fingerprints, uh, forensic biology, digital evidence unit, firearms, et cetera. And they'll make sure that it gets there so they can do their analysis in a timely manner. And then when they're finished with it, it comes back to the central evidence unit and they make sure that it gets over back over to the Metropolitan Police Department, who has a long-term storage facility at the evidence control branch. So generally speaking, that's uh, what we do. So I know a lot of you probably watch crime scene television and shows. So this is one area where I think sometimes it may be a little bit different. So kind of what's actually a typical day for a crime scene scientist on the streets of DC? So um, a typical day is, of course, you don't know what's gonna happen. You could have a very slow day and you're actually catching up on paperwork. We have to do paperwork. We have a, a responsibility to get all our reports out to our stakeholders like the Metropolitan Police Department or the US Attorney's Office or you could come in and have a homicide right off the bat. The one thing about crime, you never know when it's gonna happen. So it can happen during the day, evening, midnight hours, um, and it can be slow or busy. You are out on the street. So um, you're out in the elements, you're working in any condition. If it's 100 degrees out, you're out there. If it's you know minus 20, you're out there. You don't get to take a break just because uh, the weather isn't cooperating. You can be in a torrential downpour. It really doesn't matter. And you are there until you finish your job. So you could be here, even though most of our scientists work a 10 hour shift. If you have to be here for 16 hours, you're here for 16 hours. You're here until you get the evidence to a point where you can leave for the day. So, um, it, you really do have to, I mean, it sometimes is difficult for making plans, doing things around your social life because um, like other first responders, you're here till the job is completed. I, and also I think it's important that, like you said, it's long hours and it, it's very time consuming to, and it's painstaking work sometimes to document all that, even though it may be raining or snowing or um, ugly conditions out there. So the last question I wanted to ask you is, you and Wayne and myself, we all kind of came through into forensic science through the law enforcement path. Is that 
typical nowadays? Do most of our scientists, especially in crime scenes, are they going down that path? So um, for years, uh, most of the crime scene technicians were assigned to police departments and that was kind of the model. Um, probably about 20 years ago, police departments started to look at whether or not that was an efficient way of doing things. If you had to be a police officer to be able to process crime scenes and more and more, they started to look at civilianizing their um, crime scene units. So yes, at one point in time, you had to join the police department, become a police officer, and then um, over the course of time, maybe you can get into the crime scene unit. Now, you there's a, many colleges and graduate programs that um, you can take and learn crime scene sciences and actually come in at an entry level. So I would say, I don't know what the percentage is, but more and more, um, even if they're attached to police departments, are going to a civilianized workforce and you can actually come in at an entry level. Um, but there's still a lot that's still going the traditional route of going through the police department. Both have their advantages and disadvantages. Well, one thing that has happened that we noticed at the Department of Forensic Sciences as a result of not necessarily having to go through that law enforcement path, we have a very high percentage of employees that are women. In fact, we have more women that work in the Department of Forensic Sciences, both in crime scene sciences and in forensic sciences. So we actually have a higher percentage of women that are coming into this field maybe that might be one of the reasons why, because it's no longer a requirement necessarily to take that law, law enforcement path. So now, Wayne, it's your turn. <laughs> All right, thank you, Chris. You're welcome, Director. <laughs> so once the evidence is collected by the crime scene sciences team, it comes into the laboratory and is handled by the central evidence unit teams. What are some of the different forensic science services that are offered in the forensic science laboratory division, as well as other parts of DFS. So, um, thank you. So the Department of Forensic Sciences houses five different forensic science units. So we have our chemistry unit, we have our digital evidence, and we heard a little bit about that in our video. We also have the firearms examination unit and our uh, latent fingerprints unit. And we also have our forensic biology unit. So those are the type of services. So as Chris mentioned, so when the evidence is identified on the scene, preserved and collected, it comes through our center um, receiving unit and then goes into our evidence processing. So in our evidence processing unit, let's say, for example, they process a firearm chemically, they will take a swab, the swab might go to the biology unit and then they will do a DNA profile. And then if it's eligible, it will go into CODIS. The firearm itself, um, and they might also find some fingerprints on it, and we'll send that to the latent, um, uh, the latent unit. The firearm itself will go through to the firearms unit, and we typically in the firearms unit process anything from two to 3,000 firearms. You heard earlier about um, the ghost guns, which they monitor closely, um, and then they will do their testing. So. Uh, Typically, you would analyze, you would test uh, the various evidence that Chris's team collect, and then you have to take it a step further. You then have to, the results, you're going to have to draft and put it in a scientific report, and then um, you'll issue that back to the customer. Typically, law enforcement, we have other couple of uh, customers as well. 
So, and then the other service we provide, if you want to be a forensic scientist, you have to make sure that you um, have the ability, you're gonna to have to testify as an expert witness. Um, you're going to have to attend witness conferences. You have the prosecutors that want to, because remember, we're providing aid within the criminal justice system. So you want to make sure that you make yourself available um, and that you remain competent and proficient because eventually you're going to have to testify. Part of um, our Department of Forensic Sciences too, we have a, a general counsel, which is our main contact for discovery. So you have to remember any documentation that you write is disclosable to both the defense and the prosecuting. So just be mindful of that. It's very sensitive. Uh, uh, information that's in there. So remember that whatever you do impacts the criminal justice system. And that's what we want to aid in order to determine whether or not someone is guilty. Great. Thank you. So if somebody actually could come to our laboratory, if they went upstairs, they would see people wearing masks and lab coats. They'd see a lot of um, expensive laboratory equipment it might look very much like a typical research laboratory, let's say, but we're a forensic science laboratory. So what is it? What should people know that makes it different? What distinguishes the science that we're doing? It's still good science, but what distinguishes the job that a scientist would do in a forensic laboratory versus scientists that might be working in a research laboratory? So earlier, Dr. Smith mentioned that we are an independent lab. We are an independent and accredited lab. So accreditation essentially, so we have a third party come in and we have an accrediting body, um, ANAP, which uh, is probably one of the largest accrediting bodies that I'm aware of. In addition to North America, I think they at least provide a service in 75 different countries. And um, what does accreditation mean? It essentially means that we have a quality management system. We have a dedicated quality team to make sure we meet all our requirements that we adhere to all the ISO 17025 requirements, the FBI QAS requirements. So don't think that once you have your bachelor's degree and you come in and you start casework, that it's just a matter of doing the test and actually just issuing the report. We have in the, in the Department of Forensic Sciences, to give you an idea, you have the Departmental Operational Manuals, then you have the Divisional, Chris has his own uh, laboratory operating manuals, so does the Forensic Science Lab, and then each unit has its own, and then if you look at something like, uh, so some units like biology, they have essentially regulations, several regulations that they have to adhere to. And then in addition to that, you still have your uh, scientific community, kind of what testing protocols uh, you're going to use and so forth. So it's a lot of work that has to go into um, a, uh, a forensic science lab, but it's important work because it tells the customer that, hey, we have accurate, and reliable testing and services that we provide. So one last question, because I think it's important that if, what are you looking for in a person who may come and want to be a scientist? What are some of the, the skills and knowledge they might bring? 
And then maybe what are some of the skills and knowledge we're gonna to have to teach them here? Because some of the disciplines you can only learn about by coming and working in a forensic laboratory. So in the last couple that's minutes, a, can you yeah. tell us about that? That's a really good question. So um, there's a lot of disciplines where you can um, have an inter like biology, you can have an introductory level pause. So typically, so you have uh, your position description that each lab will have, and that will tell you what the requirements are. And typically it's a bachelor's degree. It can either be in chemistry, it can be in biology, life science, so if you have a four-year bachelor's degree, you're in a fairly good position to be a strong candidate to apply for any one of those positions. I'll also suggest that you um, will uh, hear through some of the material that we provide that uh, to join a, an internship program. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that though, if you're looking at some of the pattern recognition disciplines, um, there's no way you can come after your four-year degree and just start and doing casework. So there's an intense, 24 month program that the lab that hires you will take you through that process. So there's various levels uh, that you have to go through. You're gonna have to complete uh, different modules. Um, you're gonna have to complete different tests, evaluation assignments, and eventually you're gonna have to do a mock exercise and then do competency and proficiency tests. Um, so I encourage you to essentially join uh, one of those programs uh, the Department of Forensic Sciences in 2017 um, have established a partnership with Trinity University, and we already have some of those graduates uh, that's coming through that graduated last year. And then, uh, so those are the candidates that would be strong candidates when we advertise positions here in the district. So as, as Wayne was saying, for those disciplines, latent fingerprints, uh, firearms examination, we call those pattern recognition disciplines, those are disciplines where you would want to get some, you would have to get some on the job training uh, uh, in a forensic laboratory. But if you're interested in chemistry or biology, certainly those are programs you can find at a major university, a degree in chemistry or biology um, that might put you on a path towards forensic biology testing or forensic chemistry. Thanks for listening to this episode of Encore, featuring special guests from the DC Department of Forensic Science. Part two will conclude this series, so be sure to check back later this month for the question and answer portion of this program. We thank you for your support, and remember, our upcoming episode releases are every Wednesday, and published exclusively on Tuesdays is our monthly Icons episode. We hope you learned something from this episode, and will join us next time for another edition of Encore, where we revisit past museum programs and conversations. A special thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of Encore, a series from the Precinct 444 Podcast Network by the National Law Enforcement Museum. Please subscribe to Precinct 444 on your favorite podcasting platform to stay connected and to receive our latest content as soon as it drops. We would love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments, and feedback to precinct444 at nleomf.org. You can help us make our content even better. The National Law Enforcement Museum is located at 444 East Street Northwest in Washington, D.C., and is dedicated to telling the story of American law enforcement. We expand and enrich the relationship between law enforcement and the community through educational journeys, immersive exhibitions, and insightful programs. 
Find us online at lawenforcementmuseum.org and stay tuned for more podcast content from Precinct 444. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you at the precinct. Thank you.